0: Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, badder, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance and a fancy SVP title, I left corporate America to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of my own media company, my goal is to change the world for my daughter and her friends. My first book, "Lore: Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, dropped late 2018 and is based on what women wish they would have known when they were girls. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a safe place for us to share our goals and our dreams for the future. We record every week from the sound studio at The Space LV. Vitaly Buford is a self-professed expert in numbing behavior. From a complicated relationship with achievement and perfectionism to a long-term relationship with Adderall. Vitali looked to things to heal the wounds she hadn't yet met head on. At the height of her addiction, she began to doctor shop, and once she kicked Adderall and alcohol, she then found herself dealing with an eating disorder. Vitali had a moment of clarity and began a deep process of understanding her triggers, healing her past trauma, and learned to overcome the compensating tools she utilized to deal with life. Now sober for five years, Vitali is an executive coach, speaker, host of the Fresh Eyes podcast, and author of the upcoming book, Addicted to Perfect. Aside from a professional coaching certification through IPEC and 10 plus years of corporate experience in coaching, Vitali has a superpower for helping stuck individuals and companies take action through learning one necessary fundamental truth, they're worth it. She has infused her professional education with her personal experience of overcoming a 10 year addiction to create a unique coaching system. She has a very specific process she takes clients through that involves awareness, perspective, and action. Let's dig in. Thank you so much, Vitelli Buford, for being on Gold with me today. I'm very excited to have you here with my listeners.
1: I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. I your message resonates um, so much with me. You're the host of the podcast Fresh Eyes and. I've been following you on Instagram and I love your, what we just talked about before we got started, you have transparency and you talk a lot about how you came into your your coaching career and how you wanna help others um, change their lens and look at their life in in a really beautiful way. Um, And one of the things that struck me the most is when you talk about how many times we numb ourselves and that was kind of a cycle that you had in the past before you came into this and that required a lot of, of awareness and I wanted to dig into that because I feel like lately what I'm hearing a lot of is people who are in that place where they've been using maybe alcohol or toxic relationships and they're kind of stuck and they're wanting to they're wanting and reaching out for the better but they're not quite there yet and sometimes at that's a really uncomfortable space to be in. And I wanted to kind of find out from you, from your experience, what does numbing look like? What did it look like for you? And what was that transition into that that
1: clear-eyed view? Yeah, definitely. Um, I am a numbing expert. <laughs> so I've used many different things to numb. So as a child, um, I grew up thinking that I needed to be perfect to be loved. And so for me, that meant um, achievement, and that meant um, being thin. And so I initially started using achievements and outside, you know, my grades and accolades and um, you know, achieve, achieve, achieve in school um, as a mechanism for numbing and always being productive. Mm-hmm. Um, as a young, like in, in middle school and high school, and then um, in college, I started using dieting because I gained weight, and also the achievement. Um, part of that as well and then when the diving didn't work I discovered Adderall and so for me like my biggest thing was this real this struggle with my body image that I needed to be thin to be loved that I needed to be all these things outside of myself to be loved and of course in the middle of it I had no idea that that was what was going on I just hurt so bad um, internally and deep down and so I was introduced to Adderall when I was 21 years old and for me it was the perfect drug. It was the answer to all of my issues. It shut off all the diet talk in my brain. And I was able to do 10 people's jobs. And so both of the things that I'm, that I, that lit me up, which was be really thin and be very successful on the outside were filled with Adderall. And so for 10 years, I used Adderall and then started using alcohol to numb this feeling of unworthiness, of unlovability, and at the at the end of the day, really, my biggest fear was abandonment, abandonment from the people I love, um, and that's why I thought that I needed to be thin and really high-achieving, so yeah, for a decade.
0: What messages did you receive that made you think those things about yourself? Are you able to go back and kind of pinpoint, like, this is the messaging I received, or was it kind of... Um, how did you come to this place at such a young age
1: that you felt so sad inside? Right. So at a really young age, um, I was uh, molested, and so I hated my body. Mm-hmm. I thought that my body was bad, and so I wanted to make it small. And then as I grew up, there were messages from my mother. Um, I was there was a. I grew up in a really dysfunctional household. My mother is an alcoholic. And I grew up, um, my mother, like when I came home from college, one semester I had gained a lot of weight and she called me fat. And in fact, like a few months later is when I got on Adderall, after she called me fat because I had so much shame and just felt like, you know, so unlovable and so unworthy.
0: We have such Um, a similar story. (laughs) We have a very similar story. (laughs) And the messages we were, my mother is also um, an alcoholic addict and it was it was never the, the conversation was never directly to you where it's like you are unworthy you are unlovable but there were all these other things that created this almost hatred of self and this um that making so yourself small right i, I re- that resonates with me so much because i just remember if i'm just small and quiet until i needed to protect and then i could be big like a lion is the way i used to think of it if i needed to protect my little sister or if things were getting too hard i could be big like a lion and it really took a lot of work to unwind some of those beliefs
1: that you don't even realize are beliefs. They're just the way that oh you've lived. Yeah, they're great and people-pleasing and approval-seeking. That was another thing that um, was something I picked up not consciously but subconsciously as a child. That my worth was in my ability to make others happy. You know, happy. Mm-hmm. My mother, my father, my grandparents, whatever it is. You know, like I use that to again that was another numbing like let me make you happy and then i'll be happy that codependency is also numbing
0: yeah and i think people don't sometimes realize especially and i don't know about your experience but you walk into relationships carrying that all with you and (laughs) i was having this conversation with my my boyfriend because he was saying like the person that you describe i don't know right the the woman who allowed men to walk over her who allowed for uh, toxic relationships and abusive partners he's like i i i don't even see that woman right and i think it's a requirement that you have to when you see yourself creating some of these paradigms and living them over and over again you have to go back and be like what is i'm the common denominator right i'm the one yes, yes for sure i agree with that do you what was the What was the catalyst to change? Because this is another thing that I think is like, there has to be almost like a, a breaking open moment where you own your stuff, right? And you own, and I think that's what it was for me is like, I am the common denominator in all of this mess. I continue to bring in these people over and over and over again, I continued to think these bad things about myself. And so it was like, it had to kind of repeat itself several times before I realized that. What happened for you that caused you to get a place, to a place of awareness where you're like, okay, things have to change?
1: Yeah. And that was for me, sobriety. And I'll tell you kind of what led up to that. So I was, I had a pattern of really toxic relationships, getting in relationships with um men you know i was i was unhealthy and so i attracted the same unworthiness and unhealthiness because we we attract what we are yeah so if we don't feel worthy we attract that so i attracted alcoholics emotionally abusive men and i'd gotten engaged and i moved from kentucky to alabama um and my fiance at the time ended up being very emotionally abusive and the engagement ended thankfully But after that, um, I stayed in Alabama for a few years and I think it was, you know, that engagement happened and that move happened so that a year later I could get sober. Mm. And what led up to getting sober was, you know, over the course of 10 years, my tolerance to Adderall increased a hundred plus times. And so I went from taking 20 milligrams a day to 360 milligrams a day. Oh, wow. And I was doctor shopping, which is illegal. And I was changing dates on prescriptions, which is illegal. Mm -hmm. And I just, I couldn't keep up. Like there wasn't enough Adderall to keep up with my tolerance level. And so two doctors actually found out about each other and they didn't turn me in, but they could have. And so I ran out of Adderall, which had happened before, but it was sort of like, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years. Like something's got to, got to give. And this person had come into my life, this, this other coach who I'd hired to work at a very high level corporate career at the time. Um, And so I'd hired this coach and he saw me interact with my employees and he looks at me and he was like, Vitaly, are you critical of your employees? And I'm like, what? I have zero self-awareness at this time. Mm -hmm. And he was like, no, no, no. I think you're critical of your employees because you're critical of yourself. And I was like, you know, my mind's blown. I have no idea what this information means. I'm like, okay. Like, I'm, you know, I'm hurting myself. Therefore, I'm hurting other people. I'm projecting. And then he told me this phrase, I see in you what I refuse to see in me. Mm. And that phrase is what changed my life. So he tells me that. And then two weeks later, my mom came to visit me and she was drunk at my house. And it was this like spiritual moment where I was so mad at her for not being sober and I realized that, that that phrase that that guy had told me, I see in you and I refuse to see in me. And at that moment, I realized I was blaming my mother and pointing the finger at her to get sober, but I was not willing to point the finger at myself to get sober. That's really powerful. And was- it was just this unfolding. It was like, I remember the moment, like as if it were yesterday. I mean, I was standing in the foyer of this beautiful place that I was staying, and it was, and I, I remember just taking a step back and I'm like, oh my God. I need to get sober. And I finally prayed. Like a few days later, I sat down and I prayed. I was like, God, please help me. Like I, I can't do this alone. And then I ended up driving myself to rehab. So
0: it's a, it's a huge message that that person brought into your life, right? And it's one of the things that I love about objective relationships, right? When you bring someone into your life to help you look over your life, right? Because a lot of times, like you said, we bring in friendships and romantic relationships And um, even sometimes in our careers, we're drawn to careers and we're drawn to environments um, that will play into some of our old wounds and we're playing out some of those old things over and over and over again. Then you have this man who comes into your life who has clear objectivity, has done work himself and is like, hey, what is triggering you is also within you. And I think that that's such a huge message for people to take with them because so many times the things that annoy you about another is something that you need to, it's that mirror, right, that you need to hold up and look at at yourself. Um, And I want to congratulate you for taking the steps to go into rehab. It's one of the things that I struggled with with my mom. I always wanted her to make those steps and, you know, as she gets older she's finally getting to a place where she's reading self-help, shes you know, some of the talk is there, right. But I had a neuroscientist on the show last week, and she was sharing that your uh, tolerance, especially for drugs that bring you up or bring you down, increases as your brain inflammation increases. And that it's just a continual vicious cycle that you're not actually fixing something, you're actually hurting your body and making it more unhealthy. And I think that that was like a huge kind of a a, a light bulb for me. how did how did you move from that experience within getting clean and getting sober to deciding that you wanted to make coaching and helping others your life's work?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I've been sober for five years, and I've been doing a lot of internal work during that time, during this time. And it's interesting because the numbing didn't stop with the sobriety. Like, I got sober, and I removed the Adderall and the alcohol, but I have not removed this feeling of this fear of abandonment, this feeling of unworthiness and unlovability. And so I replaced the Adderall and alcohol with an eating disorder. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and I got down to 100, 100 pounds. Um, and I was obsessed. You know, like I had to work out every single day. Um, I ate food, but it was basically broccoli and chicken for two years. And um, it ruled my life just like Adderall. And I was seeing a psychiatrist at the time, and he was like, you know, I think you have an eating disorder. And I was like, no, because, you know, I was remembering, like, Lifetime movies where the girl was in the hospital. And I was like, I'm not in the hospital. Like, I'm fine. And he was like, no, like, an eating disorder is any unhealthy relationship with food. And I was like, well, I definitely have an unhealthy relationship with food. And so... Um, even that just recognition, I I got very angry because I was like, oh my God, like I was addicted to Adderall for 10 years. And now I've spent the past two years being addicted to exercise and restrictive, you know, eating. And so it was like, okay, I've got to do something different. Um, and then as soon as I removed that, the numbing went to, you know, this, the people pleasing, a lot of my childhood, uh, wounds came up. Um, I then started using food to numb because, you know, I've been restricting eating. And so the natural thing is to go to the opposite end of the, you know, spectrum and binge. And, and so I've gone through many different iterations of numbing. And, um, for me, um, my career changed and I ended up just coaching executives at a high level. And I was like, oh, this is what I'm meant to do. I always love to motivate people. Um, I always had quotes on my mirrors as a child growing up. I love sports movies where they, you know, take a team that's not performing and help them, <laughs> you know, right. like Remember the Titans and Coach Carter and all his movies. Um, and so um, I, you know, started coaching women on the side outside of my corporate job. And I was like, this is what I'm meant to do. You know, like I'm meant to use my pain for my purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've done so many hard things. I've gone through so many things in my life, childhood trauma, addiction, all of that. I've, I've decided, you know, gotten intentionally uncomfortable with my life so that I can grow and I can teach other people to do the same so that they can lead more fulfilling lives.
0: That's really great. I, um, I know that we talked a little bit about, um, connecting with that inner child and I'm curious how you incorporated that with your coaching? Did you do it both on the corporate side and with the women? Like what, what kind of was your approach when you were dealing with these folks? Was it walking through the same kind of, um, work that you had done?
1: Yeah. And so When I was sober, you know, I did the the 12-step programs. Um, I did Cocaine Anonymous, and I went to Alcoholics Anonymous. And after a few years, it just the program didn't resonate with me anymore. I needed something else. And so I discovered adult children of alcoholics. Yes, I'm familiar. (laughs) That program has had the most profound impact on my life. Um, And I still go to it religiously. And I would say that is what really opened my eyes to this inner child, the reparenting of ourselves, the revisiting of childhood wounds, um, understanding just how important it is um, to be a parent and to heal yourself so that you can heal others. So I have, I've
0: never been to adult children, uh, children of alcoholics meetings, but I have followed their work. Um, and I was shocked when I was like, oh, wow this is actually like my personality, right? Like you read over it and you're like, oh my, so much of who I am is based on being raised by an alcoholic parent or an addict. And it's it's fascinating when you start to pull it away and understand like some of your overcompensating behaviors and even the way you parent now and how you look for relationships, it's all intertwined. And I think it's really it's really fascinating because I think – Um, One of the things that's important to me is reaching out to other children of alcoholics and being like, hey, um, let me put the words around what you might be feeling, right? I had someone on the podcast one time who um, we talked. The whole conversation was about um, addiction and being raised by an alcoholic parent. And I just, you know, it's, it's one of the things that I think is so important is that you realize so much of the behaviors that you create today have to do with that and that inner child work is so valuable because that child is so wounded and so sad and needs you. And,
1: um, yeah. And I believe all of us have some level of of trauma. It doesn't have to be the big T trauma. It can be a little T trauma, but all of us have some level of dysfunction. It just depends on the, you know, the degree to which. Yeah. And I believe that every reaction or trigger in our life can be traced back to a childhood imprint or, you know, a childhood, um, you know, emotional loss or rejection or something that happened in our childhood. And so in order to really change the way that we respond to life and show up, we have to really start looking at what happened in my childhood. Mm -hmm. Now, Can I rewrite that? How can I course correct? For me, one of the most interesting things, this is another thing I used to numb um, and I discovered in adult children of alcoholics, but I have a real addiction to excitement. Hmm. And I remember reading the 14 traits of adult children of alcoholics. And it said, you know, we are addicted to excitement. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. Like it didn't resonate at the time. And so as as I've, as I've done more work on myself, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like I have such an addiction to excitement because that was my childhood, right? Chaos. And that was my normal. And so if I look at it, like the way I was in relationships, you know, like I would have affairs, I would get out of it, you know, like it was really unhealthy, like my, addiction to Adderall and running out and doctor shopping all of that excitement right and trying to create this excitement that fueled this adrenaline rush that I needed and so that's been a real eye-opener for me and I still have to be very aware of that like am I you know fulfilling this addiction to excitement or do I need to just be okay with calm (laughs) right
0: what, did you, what do you recommend for people if they're wanting to start tapping into that earlier version of themselves? Like in my book, I, I talk through like a, a love letter to your younger self and a visualization exercise because sometimes it's hard to get to those very tender spots. And I've noticed a lot of people in the beginning of my book when I'm walking through a, a review of their childhood, um, that's when most people have been the most resistant and are like oh my gosh this is really hard I wasn't planning for this like you walk to the book like yeah I'm going to do this and then it's it's asking you to reflect and and start writing and visiting that part of yourself um what are your techniques what would you recommend to someone um is it writing is it visualization is it working with a a therapist
1: you know I think there's a you know a combination for me again like the childhood stuff started opening up when I went to adult children of alcoholics and It's also for dysfunctional families. So honestly, anyone can go. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, that opened it up. I think secondly, every time I was triggered and am currently triggered, (laughs) or I react to something, you know, that's that same phrase, I see in you what I refuse to see in me, I use that as an opportunity to be like, what is from my childhood is being triggered. So if I'm being like, if I'm responding to something with my boyfriend, say we're having conflict or a disagreement. Um, first of all, conflict freaks me out because I have a fear of abandonment from my childhood. And so I get triggered, you know, I can shut down easily because Mm -hmm. conflict scares me. It doesn't scare me like it used to, because I've done a lot of work around it. But I think just looking at our triggers being like, okay, I was triggered by that. Like, what could that mean? Mm -hmm. And I think there's also a lot of power in journaling. You know, I just finished writing the first draft of my memoir. And it was the most powerful healing experience in my entire life. I don't know if that was like when you wrote your book, Mm -hmm. but I'm telling you writing my story down and owning it for the first time in my life, like healed so many things because as people we minimize our stories and that's why we don't remember them. We're like, Oh, I don't remember what happened in my childhood. I think it was good. And I'm like, well, actually maybe you should pause. And so I think there is power in journaling and also not forcing memories to come to you. Like your subconscious will show them to you when you're ready but you just have to start doing the work, just being open to it, being willing, being curious about how you respond, react, um, are triggered and use it as an opportunity for growth instead of an opportunity to judge yourself and beat yourself up. Um, But yeah, the writing part is so, so important for me. Again, going back to the fact we minimize our stories because A, we think, we minimize them for two reasons, for survival and then also because we think someone else had it worse than us. I am so excited to finally
0: announce what I am working on because it has been so hard not to talk about it. Today, Gold is brought to you by Live Media and I couldn't be more thrilled. Live is an app that will launch Christmas 2019. I have partnered with a team previously of Disney Pixar who want so deeply to use tech for good and we're using tech for great. I have a special VIP experience built out and planned for my Gold listeners. You guys have been on this journey with me, so I can't wait to introduce you to my baby. Through mindfulness and accountability offerings, including meditation, breath work, intentional living routines, challenges, and lifestyle coaching, Liv will provide you with the tools, community, and support you need to live your very best life, leveling up in every aspect. Liv meets you where you are and grows with you. Each week, your Live Lab will be curated with talks, articles, meditations, visualizations, challenges, and support to help you move your goals forward in 90-day increments. At the end of 90 days, we will celebrate your accomplishments with you before assisting in selecting those goals you'd like to include in the next 90. Available to you at all times is a phone or chat session with an accountability coach, a master coach, or through an email submission to Dear Live so that we can support you every step of the way. Live is your lifestyle and productivity concierge a thoughtful guide and an intuitive coach to help you get out of your own way to create, to pay it forward because a healthy you today means a healthier world tomorrow. Gold listeners will receive a free 30-day VIP experience. That means access to all of the bells and whistles by using code GOLDVIP, all caps, at loveisviral.com. Again, that is loveisviral.com, code GOLDVIP in all caps. Join the movement.
1: we think we minimize them for two reasons for survival and then also because we think someone else had it worse than us yeah i so
0: when i wrote my book i remember multiple times sitting there with like tears streaming down my face like why am i like i didn't even know this thing and mine mine isn't so much a memoir it's but there's some of my story is provided for context and Mm. there was deep healing in in doing some of that there were some chapters i didn't even want like i had to keep walking away from them and coming Mm -hmm. back because they forced me to face things when i had to write about relationships it was so funny my publisher was like hey this chapter is really weak and I was like i've never had a healthy relationship (laughs) you know and i'm like i don't know how to write about it he's like well you better figure out how you feel so i had to do some work and like read all these books about conflict and intimacy Um, which actually created a roadmap for my current relationship. You know, when I started dating my boyfriend, I told him, I'm like, I'm writing a book, you're going to come over and you're going to see all these books around the house on conflict, intimacy, healthy marriage, don't freak out. I'm doing research for a book because I have to write about what I think is is healthy. He's like, you have a roadmap for what you want in a relationship. And I'm like, this whole chapter. And he's like, I would love to see that. (laughs) So... It's it's helpful, but I agree with you. I think writing is super cathartic. It's super helpful. I think when you said be open, I also think you have to make a commitment to yourself. If you're wanting to do work, and I think the work isn't just for you. It's also for your children and the people right. you love and influence. Like, I don't want my daughter having to unpack all this stuff, right? I'm strong enough to do it before I pass it along to her. So I made a commitment to myself and to her that I would unpack all of my old stories because I don't want her to have the same influence of dysfunction and addiction kind of cast a shadow over her life. And I think to me that's the one thing, the message that I always share with people is when they're feeling resistance, when they sit down and it's hard and they feel like they're going to cry and they got to get up for a minute, do it, come
1: back because you have to make a commitment to yourself. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, the growth work and the uncovering of things from our childhood is painful, mm. but I'm telling you, it is so much better on the other side.
0: Oh, like, I say I that all the time. In, I
1: love that. <laughs> you know, I lived in pain, you know, for 10 years as an addict. I mean, most of my life. I would say for three decades I lived in pain. And, um, and so the pain that I feel with the uncovering of it is... Um, is so worth it because the freedom I feel as a person, like I'm free to be myself, you know, I can express my needs and and be vulnerable and um, share how I'm really feeling instead of hiding myself for fear of abandonment. And it's just such a more freeing, more beautiful way to live. And you know, I'm raising my nephew and so he's my son. Mm -hmm. And so that's another reason um, for this too, is that we have to heal ourselves so that we can heal our children.
0: Yeah, I say that all the time, like the other side is so blissful because I don't want to live any other way now. Now that I know what I'm capable of and what's possible and the relationships I can have, mindful relationships where I create conversation because I know that within the conflict that needs to be bubbled up is also deeper connection, right? And I don't think I would have ever been able to like understand that Previously, I was walking around with my wounds and almost kind of like this small scared little, you know, kitten, not the big lion I talked about earlier, where I was like, love me, love me, please. And the lion didn't show her fangs until it was way too late. We were way too entrenched. It was time for me to kind of unwind myself. And I think that it's such a valuable message that you know that the work is so layered as well and this is the other thing that I always share is that you can work on yourself but it's never fully done. I still experience <laughs> triggers, right? So my boyfriend and I what I've noticed is that there will be occasions where something will come up and he'll see the look on my face change and he's like what's going on? And I'm like I'm feeling uncomfortable. I think that I've I think this is bringing up something old that may not have to do with you, so can I tell you how I'm feeling? And he's like, absolutely. And I think having that kind of connection where you're kind of looking at each other like, okay, how are we going to walk through this? Um, And having the self-awareness to know like when something bad happens in our relationship, yeah, you should have boundaries and you should have high standards. But if you're with someone who's at the same place that you are at the time, the, the connection and the conversation I think is so much more loving and nurturing as opposed to um, combative and
1: defensive. Right. And I think at the end of the day, you have, you have to become what you want to attract into your life. Yes. If you want to attract more money, you got to get real with your current money. If you want to attract certain success or career or whatever it is, I mean, you have to become that person. You have to develop those habits. You have to uncover those blocks and coping mechanisms that are holding you back. Same thing with relationships. You know, I just, I attracted my soulmate into my life in December. And A, I ended up, you know, I, I was intentional about it. Like I was ready for the relationship and I just told the universe, I was like, 2019 is the year of my soulmate, make it happen. <laughs> and I wrote down a list of the, you know, characteristics I wanted in my, in my partner, but also like I was ready. I had been doing so much work and I was becoming the person that I wanted to attract.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's like the most amazing relationship. Um, like I couldn't even imagine it being better.
0: I love that you did the characteristics because I think that that's so important to look for the person that has the characteristics and values rather than being like, I need security. I need them to have a good job. I need them to be handsome. Yeah, I mean, I I did put on my list that I would still like to be attracted to this person who is also kind of heart and generous of spirit. (laughs) But I think that that's important too and what you bring to the table, right? Not sitting there with your scars wanting a prince, but sitting there like loved up and feeling worthy and lovable like a loved person cuz you yourself love yourself that now that person can come
1: in um who is is a match right and you can have honest conversations like if we're having conflict i'm like i'm being triggered right now and i'm i'm really my fear of abandonment is being triggered so i'm going to need us to pause and revisit this you know um and so there's just so much more healthy you know so many more healthier ways um you know, to, to be in a relationship. And so to be able to experience that is really awesome, but yeah, you have to become what you want to attract. Um, and that requires work and that requires internal work and it's not easy and it takes, it takes more work. You know, like I get up an hour earlier and I gratitude journal and meditate Mm -hmm. and that's an hour of my day that used to not be there, but you know what? It makes my life better. And so to live a better life, we have to do more. It's so funny you say that because
0: I've had a lot of people like, you want me to get up an hour earlier, and I've never been a morning person, but once I created an intentional morning practice, it completely changes the structure of my day. Right, right. I'm in such a better mindset when I start from a place of not only gratitude but peace where I'm meditating or journaling and getting the things I need to out of my head so then I can kind of greet my day from a, from a different perspective. I think it's so important to be intentional in every aspect rather than just kind of letting the ebb of life just kind of like like just float with it, right? Rather than, than kind of be like, okay, well, whatever happens today, but instead look at your day and say, okay, I'm going to greet the day with this. Oh, you know what I've noticed that's really interesting is if I leave the house with a smile on my face, I have the best interactions throughout Uh the day. I walk through the gym and everyone's saying hi to me and smiling. I take my daughter to school. All the parents are like, hey, how are you doing? And I was like, just because I decided to walk around with a smile today.
1: Yeah. And it's, again, you become what, you know, becoming what you want to attract, right? Like you're smiling. So then you attract all that positivity into your life. Um, And so, yeah, it's, it's super powerful. And I think too, like during this process, like there's so many things I've manifested in my life. Um, and that's one of the biggest things that I love teaching my clients is that you can truly do whatever you want in your mm-hmm. life. You can become and do the things that you never thought were possible. And also reminding people that the dreams that they were given were not happenstance. Like you weren't given a dream to write a book and, by accident. Right. Like there's a reason for that. And if you have that dream, you also have the power to make it happen. And so many of us live in fear and we're afraid and we're, we have a fear of success. That's another thing I've discovered recently is like it wasn't a fear of failure that was holding me back. It was a fear of success. And that, again, is traced back to abandonment, my biggest childhood fear, right? So the level of success that I want to achieve, am I going to be able to maintain the relationship with my soulmate? Mm -hmm. You know, am I going to be the mom that I want to be? Are my friends still going to be friends with me? You know, and so I was keeping myself small because I was – subconsciously afraid of of success and abandonment yeah
0: i think i i was like that the whole conversation about small versus big is such a big thing for me because i think that that we play small in so many ways we try to be small because we feel small means safe and the biggest most beautiful expression of yourself is the big one you know it's the one where you're living um your dreams, your truth, you have honest, open communication and intentional, but we're afraid of it. And and success, I think, is an interesting beast because there's so much fear on the road to success. Um, and I also think it has a lot to do with our achievement society, right? We've been told a certain way to achieve, and if you don't achieve, you're a failure. And failure is such a big word, right? And I think that it's just failing better every day and learning how to pivot from the failures and say okay that was a lesson thank you for that you know nugget to put in my tool belt because now i know how to to get through the next and you know the last few years of moving i was i was um, in finance for 20 something years Um, i was an executive and i have transitioned over to be an entrepreneur and i think that there is a lot of that in that it's the identity and the what the environment and what the framework talks about achievement and success. People were shocked that I left my corporate career. They're like, what are you thinking? You have a safe job. You make good money. You are very comfortable. You are nuts. And I'm like, but I'm not happy and I have a dream and a purpose that i want to realize that doesn't mean that it's easy i tell friends i'm like six days of the week i'm super excited and i'm like let's do this and on the seventh day i have a meltdown that's just the way it works <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah like i'm you know an early entrepreneur and yeah everyone around me was like are you sure you want to do this like maybe you need to save a certain amount of money and i'm like i'm never there's never going to be a right time to do it right you know, and i'm raising my you know my son by myself and um and it, the first year was really difficult and it's still not easy, but I know that things are going to turn around, you know, the, I believe that our life unfolds in direct proportion to the amount of scary things and uncomfortable things we're willing to do.
0: Oh, I like that. I'm going to use that. I'm going to probably like write it down and put it in my office. <laughs> true though. Like, was today scary? Yes. Okay, well, you're on the right track. <laughs> i love that i want to ask you there's there's two questions i ask everyone and it's it's so much to do with what i what i believe and what i write about and that is if you were to look at a younger version of yourself today what does she look like how old is she and what would you tell her
1: you know um it's the my 12 year old self and i would tell her that She is lovable just as she is, Mm -hmm. and she's capable of making all of her dreams come true.
0: I love that. I think that's really beautiful. That was the big message for me is that I'm lovable and powerful. I love that. Yeah. If you were to leave behind gold nuggets of wisdom and inspiration, it was the end of your life, and you needed to leave something behind for,
1: for the world, for the next gen, what would it be? Um, the life you want is on the other side of your fear.
0: Mm.
1: I believe in just getting intentionally uncomfortable. It's one of the things I teach my clients, you know, like the scarier things, like I said, the scarier things you're willing to do, the more your life is going to unfold and open up for you.
0: I love that. And I think it also helps people understand fear and create a
1: relationship with it. Right. Right. My, yeah. It's looking at fear and being like, "This is going to be really scary, and I'm going to be really uncomfortable, um, but I'm going to do it anyway."
0: Yeah, my executive coach told me because, like, I've been having, you know, my seventh-day meltdowns, and he's like, "Look at each of the moments that come as come in as fear as a lesson. They're making you a sharper, stronger CEO. They're making you a more beautiful, nurturing, grounded parent. They're making you," and I'm like interesting way to conceptualize, right? And he told me the story of um, Siddhartha who was on his way to enlightenment to become Buddha and how the demon Mara would come to him and try to encourage him off his track and he'd be like, hey lust, greed, you know, all of these things that I can offer you to kind of pull you away from enlightenment and Buddha would always say, I see you Mara and would never make a big fuss about it but just continue on his tour to enlightenment and when he eventually became the buddha um mara came to him one last time and he greeted him as an honored guest and said come sit mara please have tea and it was so funny so he's like think of all of your fears as mara and greet them and just be like come have tea so i invite my fear to tea a lot um I actually have on my marker board my my glass board in my office it says hi Mara <laughs> I love that because it's like okay here you are and if I can I can see you and conceptualize that you are pulling me off track and you are a lesson for me to overcome um, it's a lot easier for me to greet you and instead of cower in the corner and, and become that smaller version
1: right I totally agree
0: I love it. I want to thank you so much for coming on gold if my followers want to um see your hear or see your message i know that your podcast is fresh eyes um where can they find
1: you out there in the world yeah they can find me on instagram at batali buford same name and facebook and my website is batalibuford.com as well
0: i love it thank you so much for sharing your gold with us today i really appreciate your vulnerability your transparency And I think these conversations are the ones that uplift people the most when they can connect to something that they see within themselves. So thank you so much.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. I am so appreciative of Vitaly's vulnerability. We'll never forget her reminder that your life unfolds in proportion to the amount of scary shit you are willing to do, and I love her desire to use her pain for purpose. As the adult child of an alcoholic, I hope to reach the hearts of those who deal with addiction or love addicts. We need to talk about these things, and if you find yourself within Vitaly's words or hiding within your pain, please reach out to someone. Tell them about this episode and how it made you feel. You can follow Vitali at VitalyBuford.com or on Instagram at VitalyBuford. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. Gold listeners, don't forget to sign up for your 30-day live VIP experience at loveisviral.com, code GOLDVIP, all caps. You can also get deep in the work with me to uncover your messaging before you pass it on to your children or the people you influence. Pick up my new book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, available on Amazon or Barnesandnoble.com, or just shoot me a message to say hi on Instagram at Schneider. In the words of my grandmother, love each other every day.